0: Om Shri Sairam, offering most humble pranams at the Divine Lotus Feet of our Ever-Present Lord. Invoking Bhagawan's benediction for today's talk, dear listeners, our very loving Sairam to all of you. Om Sahana Sahanau Bhunaktu, Sahaviryam Karavavai, Tejasvinavadhi mā vidvishāvahai ūṁ śānti 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 harihiyoṁ tatsat śrīsāyishvarārpa namastu vāsudevendrayogīndram natva jñānapradam guruṁ mumukṣūnām hitārthāya Tattvabodho bhidhi yate. In our study of the text Tattvabodha, so far we have seen Jeeva, Jagat and Ishvara and last week we also saw what Jeeva is and what Ishvara is. Jeeva, as we saw, as the author says, is Brahma Pratibhimbam. It is the reflection of the Brahman and conditioned by the is the equipment of gross body and the subtle body, the BMI, body-mind-intellect. And Ishwara is the same Atman conditioned by Maya, which means Ishwara is Brahman plus Maya plus the totality of BMI that is there in the entire creation and that forms the Ishwara. The author also goes on to say that as long as we entertain this difference between Jiva and Ishwara, the difference that is born out of Upadhi, the conditioning, there is no redemption for us from the samsara, the transmigratory cycle of birth and death, and hence this difference between the two, the Jiva and Ishwara, should not be accepted. That is what the author says. He also says how this difference has to be removed using the Mahavakya from the Upanishads, Tat Tvam Asi. So today's topic is an inquiry into the statement that thou art. Tat Tvam Asi, as we all know, is a Mahavakya, a great statement from the Chandogya Upanishad of Samaveda. And each Veda has a representative Mahavakya. And a Mahavakya, as we have already seen, is the Jiva Brahma Aikya Pratipadana Vakya, which means the great statement, a representative statement from each Veda that proclaims the identity of Jiva and Brahman, the infinite truth. This is what a Mahavakya is. And Tattvamasi appears in the sixth chapter of the Chandogya Upanishad. And in fact, this chapter is considered as the model chapter in Vedanta because this statement from this chapter gives us the entire essence of Vedanta. And it is also known as the Upadesha Vakya, the teaching that is given. By preceptor Sage Uddalaka in Chandogya Upanishad to his disciple who is also his son namely Shvetaketu the guru says tat tvam asi shvetaketu shvetaketu that thou art you are that highest principle you are that truth and the guru explains that truth alone exists and it alone existed also before creation and from this truth The supreme reality of Brahman has emerged the entire creation like various beautiful ornaments are made from gold. So the practical implication of this would be the transcendental Brahman is immanent in the creation also. So if we have to recognize this Brahman in the creation, How can we throw away the creation and look for Brahman, isn't it? If we want to recognize gold, if we throw away the ornaments, say a ring, bangle or a necklace, can we see gold? No. Similarly, it is in this creation we have to recognize Brahman and this Brahman is none other than your own self, that is what sage Uddalaka says to his disciple Shweta Ketu, through this great statement that Thou art, Tat tvam Asi. See, so far we can see that the disciple has been quietly listening to the Guru, expounding on these Vedantic principles. And when the disciple hears that Tatvam Asi, you are that consciousness, you are that Brahman, then naturally he has a question to ask. So the question that he asks is, Nanu sahankarasya kinchignasya jeevasya, Nirahankarasya sarvagnasya, Ishwarasya, Tat asi iti maha vakyat, Katham abheda buddhihi swat vubhayoho viruddha dharma Akram akrantatvat. Well, what does this mean? Nanu, Nanu means but. When the word but comes, we know that there is a doubt in the mind of the disciple. So, he has a doubt and the doubt he raises is, see this Jeevasya, kinchignasya Sahankarasya, the Jeeva that you are talking about is kinchignasya. he has only little knowledge, his knowledge is limited. And ahankadasya. he is puffed up with ego, he is full of ego. Whereas, Ishwarasya, Sarvagnasya, Nirahankarasya, Look at Ishwara. Ishwara is Sarvagna. He is the all-knowing Lord. He is omniscient. And Nirahankarasya, he has no trace of ego whatsoever. Then, when there are such contradictory characteristics between the two, Viruddha Dharma Akrantatvat, then how do you say that through Tattvamasi both are one and the same how can tatvamasi the statement explain that they are one and the same when there are clearly these opposite characteristics between the two and this is a natural doubt that all of us get isn't it see once swami asked a student who are you the student said swami i am god Then Swami said, in that case, go out and give darshan. See, we all know that we are jiva, we are limited individuals. Now, let us look at some of the differences between jiva and Ishvara. And as it is given here itself, jiva is full of ahankara ego. I am Mr. So-and-so, I have got so many degrees against my name and I hold such and such a position and I have achieved all these things. This is what the Jeeva is all the time. Whereas look at Ishwara. Ishwara is nirahankara. He has no ego at all. And that is why we say ego is edging God out, E-G-O. Wherever there is ego, there is no place for God. And... Ishwara is in ignorance. He is ignorant of what? He is ignorant of who am I? He doesn't know who he is. Whereas Ishwara is knowledge personified. He has realised the truth that he is Brahman. And Jiva has only limited presence. Say for instance, I am sitting here in the studio of Radio Sai speaking to all of you. And I cannot be there with all of you. That is the limitation of my presence. Whereas, Kishwara is omnipresent. He is all-pervading and he is present everywhere at the same time. Once, Bhagwan had asked Sri Hislap, one of his ardent devotees, to give a talk to overseas devotees in Brindavan Ashram. Then, after Shri Hislap completes his talk, he reports back to Bhagwan, and Bhagwan says to this devotee, See, Hislap, what you did today was to confuse the devotees. You should not speak like that. Then, Hislap goes on to ask Bhagwan, Swami, your room is so far away from the hall where I gave my talk and you happen to know all the intricate details of the talk I gave and in which form were you present there swami then swami says i was in the form of omnipresent awareness and this is what ishvara is as opposed to jiva and jiva has only limited knowledge he is alpagna see for instance if we are professors of physics that doesn't mean we can be masters of chemistry Whereas look at Ishvara, he is Sarvagna, he is omniscient, he knows everything. There is nothing that he does not know of. Then Jiva is Alpa Shaktiman, which means Jiva has limited power. Whereas Ishvara is omnipotent, he is Sarvashaktiman. His power is limitless or boundless. See, in a railway station we may not be able to carry even a heavy suitcase and we require the services of a porter. Whereas look at Ishwara, his power is so unlimited that in Krishnavatar he lifted the entire the mighty Govardhanagiri. So this is the power of Ishvara and this is the difference between Jiva and Ishwara. Jiva has a miserable existence. Every ups and downs in life, every vicissitude of life is enough to put Jiva out of gear and he is kicked by every blow that he receives in life. Whereas Ishvara is full of bliss, he is bliss personified, he is Ananda Swarupa himself. See, Jiva cannot even drink bitter medicine, even though it is good for his health. But look at Ishvara as Shiva he drank the deadly poison probably the most bitter Halahala. So this is the difference between Jiva and Ishvara. And also Jiva thinks that I am the doer. He entertains this Kartritva Bhava, the sense of doership or agency, and Bhokritva, the sense of enjoyership. Whereas Ishvara is. Karmaadhiksha, which means the power to do any karma, any action that comes from Ishvara. But Jiva foolishly thinks that he is the doer. Then Jiva cannot control the result, however much he may fancy that the result is in his hands, as the Bhagavad Gita says, "Karmani yeva adhikarahate." Ma, You have the right to do only action and not for the fruit thereof. Which means, you can only do the action, karma, to the best of your ability, but the result is not in your hands. So, why do you bother about the result? The result depends upon totality. So many factors are involved in the result. Like, for instance, the law of karma is certainly active, As far as the result is concerned, so just do your duty to the best of your ability as an offering to the Lord and leave the rest to the Lord. So he has no control whatsoever over the result of action. Whereas look at Ishvara. Ishvara is karma phala dhata. Ishvara is the bestower of results of the karma that we do. So we can clearly see that there are these contradictory characteristics, the opposite features between Jiva and Ishvara, And that is why the disciple asks the doubt how come you say that Jiva and Ishvara are one and the same as per the statement Tatvam Asi that thou art. See let us pause here for a moment and concentrate on these characteristics of Ishvara. See there is a purpose in Understanding this infinite nature of Ishvara. He is hailed as Ananta Kalyana Guna Gana, an infinite repository of numerous auspicious qualities. This is important for us to understand the nature of Ishvara because the more we contemplate upon these infinite qualities of Ishvara, the more we are convinced that. If I am seeing light in a bulb here, this bulb must be connected to a huge electrical power station which is somewhere the source of electricity and this light in the bulb is coming from that source of electricity. Which means, if the jiva is able to function, that jiva is connected to this Ishvara and the power of jiva comes from Ishvara. So, the more we contemplate upon these benevolent qualities of Ishwara, the more we grow in our reverence to Ishwara. The more we become devoted to Ishwara, our reverence grows and we start worshipping that Ishwara and this is how we grow in our love for God, Daiva Preeti. Because we know, The Lord that we are worshipping is omnipotent, omniscient and omnipresent and not only that, and Swami once said to a devotee in an interview, I am omnivigilant, which means I am watching over you all the time. And we understand that this Ishwara that we are worshipping is Ahetuka Dayasindhu which means, ahetuka means for no reason, Sindhu he is an ocean of mercy. He is ready to bless us and he is so compassionate and merciful. Once speaking to a group of students in Kodaikanal, Swami made a great revelation when he said, see, all the punya karma phala, the merits of your past deeds that you have accumulated is enough to just get the first darshan of Bhagwan." See, the moment you have my first darshan, all that karma phala is nullified and thereafter what you enjoy is my benevolence, my grace and my compassion. See, this is the boundless compassion of Ishvara for the Jeeva. And the Lord is ready to forgive us all the time. See, despite the fact that we disobey Bhagawan, and we, some of the times, we use Bhagwan's teaching to suit our convenience for our motive. And we even tend to question the will of the Lord with our ego. And despite our misgivings and shortcomings, Bhagwan trusts us so much and He unconditionally loves us. See, this unconditional love is probably the greatest attribute, the quality of Saguna Brahman or Ishwara And this is what takes us more and more nearer to Ishwara. That is why it is very important for us to realise the duality that is there between Jiva and Ishwara and contemplate upon the infinite nature of Ishwara so that our bhakti grows for Ishwara. So, we know by connecting to this limitless, boundless Lord, even we can become powerful and we can overcome the challenges of our life, that faith comes in us. And this is this unflinching faith in the Lord that takes us to implicit obedience to His teachings and which leads to unconditional acceptance of the will of the Lord and takes us to the final stage of surrender. See, Mother Teresa once said, whenever there is a problem, I don't explain, oh my God, I have a problem. She said, I have learnt to say, oh problem, I have a bigger God with me. So this is the power we get from understanding and connecting to the infinite nature of Ishvara. So we learn to invoke the grace of Ishvara through our meditation or prayer to the Lord or by chanting His name incessantly, through Namasmarana, by singing His glory. So, we intensify our sadhana to invoke His grace because we know that it is His grace that can rescue us from samsara. See, when we say that Ishwara is Sarvavyapi, He is all-pervading, which means we have to see Him in everything in the creation, isn't it? That is why in our Sanatana Dharma, we worship each and everything. We worship the mineral, the rock, the tree, the plant, the mountain. There is this monkey god, there is cow god, there is snake god and everything is divinity for us. And that is how we worship every thing. And this is what the realization that we get from contemplating on the infinite nature of Ishvara. The Lord in the Bhagavad Gita Himself says, You must see me in everything because I pervade all these things. But even if you are not able to see me in everything, the Lord goes on to say in the Vibhuti Yoga, the 10th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, At least in my special manifestations, you learn to recognize me. So like special manifestation means, as the Lord Himself says, I am the Himalayas among the mountains. I am the Vasuki among the snakes. And I am the Gayatri in the Chandas. So, these are some of my special manifestations, Vibhuti and at least in those things, you try to see me. That is what he is urging us all the time. See, recently we celebrated Ganesh Chaturthi and one of the popular stories that is associated with Lord Ganesha is, once there is a competition between Lord Ganesha and his brother Subramanya, Whoever goes around the world three times first, they would get this reward of the celestial fruit. And as Subramanya is on his world tour, on his vehicle, Peacock, Lord Ganesha, just goes round thrice his parents and comes and asks, I am the winner and please give me the prize. And his logic, his reasoning, his answer is, and parvati and Parameshwara, they are the cosmic parents. As we pray, Jagatah Pitarao day Parvati Parameshwarao. So, as cosmic parents, they pervade this entire creation, the entire universe. So, if I go round these cosmic parents who are present in each and everything, who pervade everything as Sarvabhyapi, Vishwabhyapi, it is equal to going round the world. So the message for us here is when we are centered on Ishvara the divinity the periphery the circumference the world is taken care of by itself so this is the importance of understanding the nature of Ishvara and the difference between jiva and Ishvara is explained in the dvaita siddhanta which is known as the philosophy of dualism which was propounded by Sri Madhvacharya. Here, Ishwara is the boundless Lord, the omnipotent, the omniscient, omnipresent Lord and I am this limited jiva, and I will serve this Lord. The concept of Dasoham is there in this Siddhanta. I will serve my Lord, I will develop devotion to my Lord, I will worship my Lord and through His grace, I am rescued from samsara. So, this is how this Dvaita, in Dvaita, a devotee reaches the goal of human life. And the next philosophy is visishta Dvaita. visishta qualified, advaita, monism or non-dualism. So, this visishta Dvaita Siddhanta, the philosophy of qualified monism was propounded by Sri Ramanujacharya And this philosophy says, Ishwara is the whole and Jiva is an amsha, a part of Ishwara. And through surrender to this Ishwara, through bhakti. See, Ramanujacharya says, this Sharanagati, the total Sharanagati, complete surrender, he calls it as prapatti. And through this prapatti, I earn his grace and his grace is the one which will take me to the goal of human life. And this is what Vishta Dvaita is. And of course we all know that Advaita Vedanta is that which proclaims the unity of Jiva and Ishvara. And Swami would often say his first statement is I am around you, above you, below you, in front of you, behind you, which is Dvaita. Then the second statement is, I am in you, you are in me, which this is Vishishtha Dvaita. And the third statement is, you and I are one, which is Advaita. That's why Swami would also say, Jesus Christ first said, I am the messenger of God, Dvaita Siddhanta, dualism. And the second statement is, I am the son of God, which is Vishishtha Dvaita. And the third statement is, I and my heavenly father are one, which is Advaita Vedanta. See, to contemplate on this glory of Ishvara is important, as I said, to grow in our love, Daiva Preeti, for this uh, Ishvara. And this concept is known as Saguna Sakara Bhakti, worshipping this God with multiple attributes. And Bhagwan explained the importance of Saguna Sakara Bhakti once to Sri Hislap like this. Swami said, See, there is a young man who is taking care of his ailing mother with so much love. And the mother has loved this young man from his infancy, and now it is the turn of the young man to reciprocate his love for the mother and he is doing seva to the mother, taking care of her in her old age. And after some time, this mother passes away. Even after the mother passes away, the love that the young man has for his mother in his heart is the same. It doesn't diminish. And how is he able to feel this love for his mother even though the form of the mother is not there? Then Swami explained, that it was the form of the mother that had loved the young man and in turn the young man learned to love this form of the mother. So, even when the form is not there, the love he learnt through the form of the mother is able to sustain his love for the formless, even when the mother is no more there. And this is how Swami says, saguna sakara bhakti, worshipping this Lord, with the form and with the saguna all these attributes that we saw ananta kalyana gunagana the auspicious qualities the benevolent qualities will take us to the formless devotion nirguna nirakara bhakti and contemplation upon this nirguna nirakara and this is the importance of understanding the infinite nature of ishvara and now The Guru answers the question of the disciple like this. Iti Chetna Which means, if there is such a doubt, no, it is not so. The author says, Stoola Sukshma Rabhi Mani Tvampada Vachyarthaha Upadhi Vinir Muktam Samadhi Dasha Sampannam Shuddham Chaitanyam Tvampada Lakshyarthaha There are two words used here vachyartha and lakshyartha. Vachyartha means the direct meaning. Lakshyartha means an implied meaning. Say for instance, when we say, he is like a lion, it means that he doesn't look like a lion or he is a carnivorous animal like a lion, but he is as bold or as courageous, as brave as a lion. So, this is the lakshyartha. So, tvampada vachyartha the direct meaning of tvampada is the word tvam is sula sukshma shari rabhi mani. that is the one which is identified with the gross and the subtle bodies whereas upadhi vinirmuktam samadhi dasha sampannam shuddham chaitanyam tvampada lakshyarthaha. the implied meaning of Tvam word is upadhi vinir muktam, devoid of conditioning, free from conditioning. Shuddha chaitanyam, it is the pure consciousness, samadhi dasha sampannam, that is experienced in the state of samadhi. So, the implied meaning of the word Tvam is pure consciousness itself as experienced in the samadhi state when it is free from all the conditionings. See, as the Patanjali Yoga Sutra says, Yoga chitta vritti When there is cessation of various modifications of the mind, when the waves on the surface of the lake of the mind have settled, in this quietitude, what happens? Tada Drashtu Swarupi Avasthanam The true Self, the pure consciousness is manifest in its true glory. It is when we see We realize this Shuddha Chaitanya, and that is the Lakshyartha, the implied meaning of the word Tvam. That is what the author says. Then, Yevam Sarvagnatvadi Vishishta Ishvara Tatpada Vachyarthaha. The direct meaning of the word Tat is the Ishvara who is hailed as Sarvagna, the all knowing God, and so on. Ishvara with all its attributes. Whereas, Upadhi Shonyam Shuddha Chaitanyam tat Pada But the implied meaning of the word Tat is Upadhi Shonyam free of the conditionings like Maya Shuddha Chaitanyam, it is the pure consciousness. So, Tvam is also pure consciousness when it is free from the conditioning. Tat is also pure consciousness when it is devoid of the limitations or the conditioning of Maya. So, the author concludes, Evamcha Jiva Ishwara Yoho Chaitanya Rupena Abhede Badhaka Bhavaha. So thus there is no contradiction at all regarding the identity between the Jiva and Ishvara from the standpoint of Chaitanya Rupa, which means the from the viewpoint of consciousness, pure consciousness there is no difference between the two. They are one and the same. And that is why we say Tatvam Asi, that thou art. And for the sadhaka to experience this pure consciousness, regular meditation, regular practice of meditation, through which the upadhis, the limitation, the equipment that we are BMI, body, mind, intellect, can be removed and this is necessary. That is why the Lord says in the Bhagavad Gita, Abhyasenathu kaunteya vairagyenachagrihyate Not only practice of meditation, abhyasa, but vairagya, a dispassion for the unreal. Trying to detach ourselves from the unreal and trying to attach ourselves to the real is very important and more of this we shall see in our next session. Om, poor Purnamidam poor namidam, poor Purnamadaya poor namudachyate, poor nasya, poor namadaya, poor harihi om, tatsa Shri sai panamastu. I am grateful to Bhagwan for this opportunity of speaking to you all. I thank Team Radio Sai and all of you. Jai Saira.